There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix on July the 8th, 2010. Now, I always start off my only little appeal at the beginning of the show by suggesting that all the newcomers go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. That's the main website. You'll see all the other sites I have listed there, the official sites I have. All those sites have uh, hundreds of audios for downloads uh, from talks I've given in the past. You can also uh, get English translations of a lot of them in any of the sites there. If you want foreign translations for prints up, you can also go into alanwattsentinel.eu and find the, them there. So there's a, a variety to choose from. And while you're at it, all of you, it's always the same bunch that really helped me out over and over. It's been it's a, a sad comment on today's society, but we're being trained that everything that's free is okay, except that it's all owned by the NSA. Well, this isn't free, believe you me. The ads you hear on this show uh, are not paid to me. They're paid to the station for the program by the advertisers, and that pays for RBN's airtime broadcast for the staff equipment, their bills. And so I ask you to help me out with mine. Purchase the books I have for sale at cuttingthroughmatrix.com and the CDs and the DVDs. There's a wealth of treasure there, and one day it won't be there. It'll be simply gone, the way things are going with the Internet. I'm sure some of you know that. The rest will never believe it until it happens, and then they won't care. They'll carry on with mainstream, which will be all you'll get on the Internet in a little while. And to order the books and so on, you can use PayPal to donate or to purchase. Just send a separate email with name, address, and order with your PayPal donation sent alongside it. And personal check is good from the U.S. to Canada. So is an international postal money order from the U.S. to Canada. Outside, you can use, to other countries, you can use MoneyGram, Western Union, PayPal to, to donate or purchase. Uh, and some people send cash. And so far, that's okay as well. Now, what we do in the show really is to break through into a different reality uh, to show you how the elite view you, uh, how, to how they're managerial class. And they do have a managerial class that, again, is taught to see things in a different way, again, from the elite themselves. And the managerial class still despise, of course, everyone beneath them. But uh, I show the different layers of the matrix, the reality that we are taught uh, to, to live in. We're being brought up in it, in fact. And show you how it works. And the con games, of course, because we're all children. We're perpetual children, and the elite must make sure the managers, whenever they want to pull money from your pockets or get you to do something else or change your behavior, they always do it in, in a, a kind way. They lie. They lie to you. That's what it's called, the noble lie. So they lie to get what they want from you. And it's generally good enough for the public as long as there's a half a pe- 1% of plausibility attached to the lie. It's that easy. Most folk accept it. So I try to expose the techniques they use, show you what's really behind what they're after by using some of their own headlines and so on in the media. 
And uh, I also give you histories of a lot of this stuff. It's an, an ongoing system, you see. Uh, the most studied species on the planet, remember, is mankind himself. From the first people who ever dominated humankind, they had to know the nature of humans. And we are the most studied and dissected species that's ever existed in the world. It's only now they're getting around to the last few insects that are left to, to study. We've been done long, long ago before that. In fact, we produced the money for the for them to go off and study everything else, didn't we? So that's what we try to do on this show. And uh, to show you how it's going, we chronicle the New World Order as it changes and upgrades itself. And I'll be back with more after this break. through the matrix this big deceptive system into which we're born which we're taught is not normal everyone around you will tell you it's normal and your parents generally will as well uh, if, the, if you start to preach to them about what you've learned uh, they'll call you some kind of wacko just like a religious nut type of thing they can't get their heads around what you're trying to tell them uh, and it should be plain enough they've lived through it but they are in denial they must believe themselves the authorized version you know Indoctrination with reinforcement is an incredibly powerful thing. Incredibly powerful. It's no different when I've talked to old World War II vets in different countries who dress up in their blazers and their and their little berets for their whatever happens to be their day for their vet day, different one different dates in different countries, and and they try and march off and with their walking sticks and all that. And when you hear them talking afterwards, they're telling you, if you ask them why they went to war and what it was about, they'll tell you the exact propaganda that was given to them at that time when they enlisted. The exact propaganda. It's, it's literally slogans. And they have never gone into it, never inquired by themselves or for any, any idea of interest, really, what else might have been behind it. Uh, since they came out of the military, even at the end of World War II, because that's the intensity of indoctrination. Now, Britain and other countries as well had army cadet forces at school and air force cadet uh, uh, forces as well at school. They also had um, ones for the Navy, etc., different types in different schools. To make sure, this was an idea, an old idea floated between World War I and II to train youngsters uh, in basic drill and basic um, combat, really, in case they might join the military. But really it was for the, for the authorities so they could enlist them straight out of school, which they did in World War II. So here they are partially trained, and uh, it saves them an awful lot of time getting them straight into the military. And I actually have talked to one guy who just just as he was turning to, uh, to the enlistable age at school, and he'd seen his previous years uh, and his friends go off to war, and he was being trained for the same thing, uh, the war ended just, just when he was ready to, to go. And he cr- tears came to his eyes that he couldn't go off and, and die with his comrades. Uh, no kidding. 
tears would come down. They couldn't go off. And the indoctrination was fantastic. And it's a science, very old science, old techniques used. And that's a power it can have on your mind. It's a fixation, like an imprint on your brain that will never change. So it's not difficult for me to understand why people, even when you present them with evidence of what's really happening today, uh, after listening to years of propaganda from mainstream media, mainly by their favorite uh, authority figures, and that's important, you've got to have an authority figure, a father-type figure that you stick with, grow up with watching on television, who tells you that's the way it is, and you believe them. And so it's, it's not hard to see that they can't really... Uh, they, they, they're waiting for the father figure to admit that, that that's what you've just said to them is, tr- is correct. Validation from the authority figure, from the television, not from a real life person next to them, but from that person that they, they actually don't know at all. All they've read about them and heard about them is from TV and newspapers. They really, it's all a PR image that's given to them. They have no idea what they're like, but they think they do. And so that's why they keep these old fogies uh, keeping on their gold until they're about 80 years old, until they're falling off the chair. Because maybe people have been watching them since they've been 10 years old and grown up watching them. So they keep them as long as they can. Authority figures are very important in the system. Now, we're always being trained, always being upgraded with what they call trial balloons. And trial balloons are are, where an idea which will not be terribly popular with a thinking population are floated, but they don't say we're putting it into law now, but they float the idea, and that's how it was presented to you in the papers. The politicians are floating the idea or discussing or debating the idea of whatever it happens to be, which is generally to get more money off you or something. But... um, they float it quite a few times, and the balloon gets more and more bigger and visible each time they float it. And it's like Jack Z. Lull said, most people out there who are trained in this system, in this system, with capital S, um, don't consciously think through things. They learn by osmosis. They learn by bits and bytes of info that are flashed across the news screen and, and little headlines on the paper. Most people just read the headlines, you know, and the first t- two or three lines, and that's it in the newspapers. And it's osmosis. So they're being trained without knowing it with these trial balloons step by step until the main thing is pushed forward. Well, here's an example of the final balloon, you see. We've heard quite a few, for quite a few years of, uh, of unsustainability of, of uh, really keeping pensions going for the elderly. And they floated that maybe 15 years ago, actually 20 years ago and, and many times since getting more and more common. And here they are with Europe, the European Union, this strange conglomeration of countries and a confederation that nobody wanted except the guys who own it, and it's not the people. Uh, It says here, aging Europe warned of unsustainable pensions. Here it is again. Europe's low birth rates, here they are yapping about overpopulation, eh? but when it comes to accountability and accountancy, low birth rates and aging population make it in Imperative for the EU member states to overhaul their pension systems, the European uh, commissars say. I call them commissars because that's what they are. They a commission here. They're com- commissioners, commissars. 
The Commissar's report advocates automatic adjustments to the retirement age as life expectancy increases. Some EU states have adopted such a mechanism. The current situation is simply not sustainable, said EU Employment Commissioner Laszlo Ander, that no one elected. But it's a non-democratic system. It's it's the new Soviet Union, that's all it is, really. Only it's better gangster, isn't it? France, Greece, uh, Spain and the UK have plans to raise the retirement age. Uh, But the changes brought in as governments seek to slash chronic budget deficits have angered many workers. Thousands have protested in the streets. Well, good fat chance to you and good luck to you because they they aren't going to change this. The IMF, you've got to understand, is running everything right now on the financial side of things. They were brought in by the World Bank to the the central bank for the EU. Uh, They're also in every country doing their bookkeeping right now. Every country they went under, that's just about everybody. And the first thing they do is always slash your health, your national health service, and your pensions. That's the first things they all... They don't mention this here at all. Pension choice. There are currently four people of working age for each person over 65 in the EU, but by 2060, the ratio will be just two for each pensioner. Unless pension systems are overhauled, the Commission says, well, that goes, it flies against what they say about the, the massive increase in population will be by the year 2050, doesn't it? <laughs> they say it's going to be double. Well, it's not pensioners that are going to be doubling it here, is it? You see the double speak, you see? Double speak. When you get double speak, there's something else at play here. The Commission, remember what it says at the United Nations too, and under the UN is the World Bank and the IMF, all private organizations, including the UN, by the way, it's a private corporation, set up by the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And um, it said here, the Commission responsible for drafting EU laws accepts that the governments of the 27 EU member states retain control over national pension systems. But the EU Green Paper on Pensions is aimed at launching a debate involving all stakeholders so that European pension systems, oh, here's that word again, are harmonized. Well, that means joined, you know, better. And up the price, it means as well. The only harmony you get if you up the price is someone who squeals as though you'd nip them in the butt. You know, that's not really a very good harmony. It's like a squeal or a screech. It is inviting contributions, but it's a very good word to, to con people. Harmony is a, a, a socially nice, it's a nice word, isn't it? So is social. We're social creatures. So is green now. Right? Green is very good, apparently. It is inviting contributions to the debate until 9, 15th of November. So who's contributing to it, to the debate, until the 15th of November? It's not the people. Remember, the United Nations said that a good um, citizen of the world, a good world citizen, is someone who's a producer and a consumer. Uh, when you're a pensioner and you've stopped working, you're now just a consumer, which is a bad thing. It's an anti-green thing, you know. Uh, but they're not mentioning that here either. You understand how you can sway a whole, uh, a whole article by omission of factors like World Bank, IMF, World citizen definition. Since the choice we face is poorer pensioners, higher pensioning contributions, or more people working more and longer, Mr. Anders said. The report says the steep rise in old age dependency ratios could be largely avoided if people would work longer. What does it matter if you work longer or put more money in? 
Along comes the banksters, and, and they basically half the purchasing power of your cash anyway. They never mention those factors in it, do they? Do they? Never. Just less than 50% of adult Europeans are still in work by the age of 60, yet member states had pledged in 2002 to push back the retirement age by five years, it says. Well, they're liars, aren't they? Liars. The Commission also complains that there are considerable barriers to cross-border activity in the area of pensions. Discriminatory tax rules are amongst the obstacles that many pensioners face when they move to another EU country, it says. It says, see, it's not a person saying that, it's a report. The report says it's a non-human, you see, it sounds more efficient. We're actually getting trained to obey computers and, and things like called reports, say, like it's the law. It's all conditioning. It's all lies anyway. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. You know, no one wanted this European Union except the Again, they're all Institute for International Affairs, the guys who really worked to get it going in the first place and put it all forward into Parliament through their members that they placed in Parliament in Britain and elsewhere. And um, it started off supposedly as a trading agreement, just for economics and trading and all that nonsense. But in 1948, they set up uh, civil servants' bureaucracies in every country departments of them to work on integration, knowing exactly where they're going. And it wasn't, wasn't until they were up and running as a parliament with full power that they, they basically disclosed all of their agreements to the public for the first time. It's all kept in secrecy. And that's what it said at the bottom. It says the public must never be told that the true intention was to create a, a parliamentary system in Brussels that would be dominant over all the other member states. So that's what we live in, deception and lies by, well, professional liars who thunder knows at any idea that you have of democracy and yet use the same democracy when it suits them. And um, they're totalitarian, this, this, uh, this group in Brussels, very totalitarian. The politicians that, that uh, go from each country to supposedly represent the countries that get, I think it was uh, four minutes a year to speak, according to the thing that they worked out there, are there for show. Because they have no powers to, to block any laws that are passed down to them or even to make laws. It all comes from this bunch at the top, this secretive bunch, and most folk don't even know their names. It's highly secretive. It, it really is a, a new Soviet Union, and it shouldn't surprise you since the, the Royal for International Affairs uh, backed the Bolshevik Revolution and the Soviet regime. They also backed Hitler's regime as well because they like socialist-type systems where people just obey governments. They love China. They set that up as well, by the way. And, um, and, and they set up Brussels. So here's another article from Brussels that's sprouting a lot these days uh, all over the place. And it says here, Brussels finds, the US, uh, finds us, actually, I guess it's a British paper, 150 million pounds. 150 million pounds. They fine the country. Now, that means they fine the people, right? Because the government just take your tax money and pay it off. But how dare anybody fine any other country? 
Brussels fines us for £150 million for failing to fly the EU flag at funded projects. No kidding. No kidding. This was in Daily Mail, 8th of July, 2010. Brussels has fined Britain more than £150 million for failing to display the EU flag on a string of projects part-funded by Europe. Well, what do you mean part-funded by Europe? They stole the money. This, this the Parliament stole the money from all the other European countries as well. Several schemes were also penalised for failing to use the flag on their letterheads. What kind of uh, Mediterranean tiff is this? Huh? What is it? The fines relate to £3.8 billion given to the UK by the European Regional Development Fund over a seven-year period. They get more back in fines than they hand back to the countries. The fund has contributed to dozens of projects, including the Eden Project in Cornwall, the Millennium Bridge in Gateshead, and the redevelopment of Liverpool's King's Dock. Funding from the ERDF usually has to be matched pound for pound by government cash. Britain is a net contributor to the EU budget, and critics have long complained that ERDF funding is essentially recycled taxpayers' money. Well, what else is it? Government doesn't make any. They don't produce anything except, well, debt. This year, the UK will contribute £6.4 billion more to Brussels than it receives back. Well, that's a great deal, isn't it? The UK Independence Party MEP Nigel Farage called the fines an outrage. Well, putting it mildly. He said the ERDF is using British taxpayers' money to tell us what a great job the EU is doing. It's a rotten deal for Britain, and in return, we have to plaster the country in horrible blue flags. I call them rags, to be honest. So that's what I'd say. They're rags. Go on, find me if you want to. Community set, well, it is, 12 stars on it. Kabbalistic stars in a circle. Hmm? Community Secretary Eric Pickles, give our name, Pickles, condemned the over-bureaucratic, <laughs> got Brussels here and Pickles at the same time, over-bureaucratic rules surrounding the ERDF money. He said he would be pressing the European Commission to cut back on needless bureaucracy. Well, that'll be the day when they can never cut back on. It's all jobs for their boys and relatives once they get in, isn't it? The ERDF lays down street rules in the display of the EU flag. Any project accepting cash has to display the flag on a permanent plaque in a prominent position. Well, I know where I'd put it. In the washroom, probably. Maybe down the... The shunky, as they used to say. But anyway, that's what it's good for. Now, the NSA is creating a spy system to monitor domestic infrastructure. That's from Raw Story. July 7, 2010. The National Security Agency has begun work on an expansive spy system that will monitor critical infrastructure inside the U.S. for cyber attacks in a move that detractors say could end up violating privacy rights and expanding the NSA's domestic spying abilities. Well, of course, that's really the purpose of it. The Wall Street Journal cites unnamed sources as saying that the NSA has issued a $100 million contract to defense contractor, that's really their cousin, uh, Rayathon to build a system dubbed the perfect citizen, which will involve placing sensors at critical points in the computer networks of private and public organizations that run infrastructure organizations such as nuclear power plants and electric grid operators. Mm. 
with Altiomius Mountaineers as well. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. This is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix talking about the NSA and Raytheon. Raytheon is actually Raytheon, which is really another cousin, really, of the NSA. It's part of the big industrial military complex. But it, and it says here, in an email obtained by the journal, an unnamed Raytheon employee described the system as Big Brother. The overall purpose of the program is our government feels that the need to ensure the public sector is doing all they can to secure infrastructure critical to our national security. The email states, perfect citizen is Big Brother. So, again, it's always the noble lie as they lie to the children and do something else, of course, for different reasons. They don't want to scare the people who are grazing quite merrily on television and the Springer show and stuff like that. Now, I read a while back about this new chemical that they want to use to dispose of bodies, and apparently there's, there's a lot of the undertakers on board with it. There's no doubt it's going to be cheaper for them, too. Uh, and they can probably charge more as well. And that's a, they're a nice benevolent business, aren't they, those kind of characters. But um, this article here says, uh, The future is silent, green, daddy is dead, so we flushed him down the toilet. But don't worry, we'll drink him next week. Like he's comparing it to silent green. Because I just turn it into a sort of green slime, and that's how it works. By Neil Foster, 8th of July, 2010 by the Sovereign Independent. Since in 1973, Charlton Heston starred in a movie called Soiling Green. A brief synopsis of the film here from Amazon.com gives you the general idea. While Soiling Green may be one of the many dystopian visions of the future, the film stands out because it's one of the few titles that addresses current environmental issues head-on. Adapted from Harry uh, Harrison's novel Make Room, Make Room, and he got a, a fund for that, for writing that, actually. He was told to write a story about overpopulation. And these guys all do that. All these sci-fi writers are given their stories. It gives us a nightmarish vision of an overpopulated, polluted future on the brink of collapse, a vision that gets uncomfortably closer every year. Charlton Heston, as a police officer, Thorne, investigates a murder in between suppressing food riots and uncovers the nightmarish truth about Soylent Green, the new foodstuff being sold to the poor. The firm neatly combines police procedural with conspiracy thriller. Hessen's scenes are counterpointed by more elegiac ones in which the sanitarian Edward G. Robinson and his friends saw broods on the world as he's outlived his death in a euthanasia chamber. In other words, the whole thing is you can go into euthanasia chamber where they show you pictures of green countryside and animals and as you go bye-byes and... Uh, uh, this is how they portray the future, again, dystopian and so on. But what they end up with the body, doing with the bodies that go to these euthanasia clinics is they recycle them through a, a chemical that liquefies them, and then they solidify them into these green bar cakes, uh, which they sell to the poor as the, the new wonder food. You see, that's what it basically is. So 
It says, for those of you unfamiliar with the term predictive programming, this is the term used to describe how filmmakers and TV program makers insert storylines into their productions well in advance of actual events, whereby when these events eventually come to pass, then the viewer has a vague recollection which makes the real event seem familiar to them and easier to accept as already it's already been subconsciously implanted in their mind through the use of this technique. It's predictive programming, it's called. Yeah, so you jump forward 37 years of today, and we have this article from the UK. It was from the Daily Mail. It says, uh, in the article, it describes how human beings are now going to be disposed of, basically by flushing their remains down the toilet to protect the environment, of course, because we're apparently running out of space to bury people, which is all BS, of course. They've been tearing up graveyards forever and, and replanting them again. That's the, it's a big, big business, big business. And um, it says, I suppose that's the same space we're running out of to grow food, leading to a manufactured food shortage in the future. Uh, this is also a theme of the movie, even though the EU promotes subsidies to European farmers not to grow any food at all. And that's a fact. About half of them get, get paid just to sit around and not have cows and you know not have pigs and not grow anything. Uh, to make sure, you see, that, that there's going to be a food shortage in the, in the future because the planet. But also with this, uh, this, this way of disposing of the bodies, they, they said that you could pour it out in your... An article I read some months back on the same thing. Uh, it said you could pour it in your garden. You'd pour, actually said you could pour grandmother in the garden and she'll help grow the plants. Is it? Just, give, just pour her out in the backyard there. So this is where they want to go now. And again, the big chemical industries are behind it. There's always another reason as well, of course. There's always another reason and big profits there. And I've, I've no doubts that it would be quite easy to get undertakers on board because they're green, greedy sons of bitches anyway. Incredibly greedy for the money they charge for what they do. But there's a lot of money in, in death, isn't there? From war to, to whatever, it doesn't make any difference. There's a lot of money in dying. Or you could always, you know, do that plasticizing technique and hang them up, hang the bodies up in all funny positions uh, on display to watch the public uh, walk in and go goo-goo and gaga. Because that's what they've, they've uh, plunged it today with their mentalities is they're totally degraded. This article here is from the, the New York Post, and apparently the politician Rangel is eyeing a draft return. He was booted out before and charged with some crime, I remember, but to, well, he's still there. But criminals are all up there, I think. Representative Charles Rangel yesterday again called for bringing back the national draft right at the Times Square recruiting station. For the third time since the Iraq war began, the Harlem a Democrat announced his plan to introduce a bill requiring all Americans to serve in the armed forces. If you love your country, be prepared to serve, said Rangel, a Korean War veteran. Congress should stop funding the war and instead use tax dollars to bring troops home, he said. That's good. Double speak, isn't it? Rangel, who this year was stripped of his chairmanship of the House Ways and Means Committee, said the bill calls for men and women aged 18 to 42 to sign up for the draft during wartime, it will likely be introduced next week. New York State uh, Congressman uh, Charles Rangel speaks at the Times Square in New York City in front of the military recruitment office today. And um, so there you go. There's a little bunch of comments at the bottom about it. Poor folk aren't so dumb as, thank goodness, as, as we might think. There's a lot of people out there who are not so dumb at all.
Now, the G20, we heard about the G20 in Canada, and the G8 there, and the one point, I think $1.2 billion it cost in climbing. It'll probably be double that by the time they eventually tell us, in maybe a few years' time. It says here, Toronto police are asking the public for images or information to help identify some of the thugs who burned police cars, looted and smashed windows during last month's G20 summit. Top Toronto cops are using facial recognition technology to help identify hundreds of thugs who smashed the windows and burned the cars, etc. Uh, they're seeking information, photographs or video to help identify and prosecute the vandals. They displayed photographs on Wednesday of five suspects who allegedly torched a scout car on June 26 at Queen Street and Spadina Avenue. The cruiser was one of four cop cars set ablaze by protesters. Detective Sergeant Gary Giroux of a newly formed G20 investigative team alleged one suspect had stolen a police cap and a gas mask. Another suspect allegedly jumped on a burning cruiser and a third is sought for mischief. These are a sample of the hundreds of people we're trying to identify. He said once these people have been identified, they'll be arrested and prosecuted. The force will use facial recognition technology from the banking industry to catch G20 vandals. Uh, The cutting-edge technology, which is used in Ontario casinos, compares a person's facial features to those stored in a Toronto police or other database. The technology will help us establish identity in some cases. It will help us search through our existing databases for suspects. He said images from cameras located at downtown stores and businesses are being collected and assessed by detectives who are also going through Facebook and other social websites for clues. Amazing, eh? It's amazing. Even, even they're using your bank, got your banks to get all the different stuff and go through them. People are being identified on an hourly basis as those responsible for some of the damage to this city. He said there are hundreds of people who have to be identified and interviewed. Canada Border Services Agency has offered police the use of database of passport photos to help identify suspects. Police report more than 1,100 arrests during the summit. Less than 15 people remain in custody. That's let most of them go because they were bogus arrests. Actually, they didn't have to arrest you at all. They just took you in and held you like the guy that they, they took off his artificial leg from him. He's surprised he didn't stun him too when he couldn't get up fast enough on his one leg. So that's the world we're living in today. And we've all allowed it to happen, you know. We've all allowed this to happen. No one can possibly say they were, they were dumb and stupid and didn't know we were building up to this. But they were busy playing themselves and having fun. Really. This is the world we've allowed to happen. This should, this should not even have started. All this totalitarian nonsense should be nipped in the bud at the start because it escalates. In history, whenever it starts, it goes on a roll. And it's always a, an awful mess at the end to stop it and change it again. And now those who are armed to the teeth know this. That's why they're armed to the teeth and arming themselves more to the teeth. They know how it ends. But this should never have been allowed to even start. And I'm not talking about even just this century or just last century. It's been going on for a long, long time. There's an article here about uh, numismatics. And it says here, and I'll put these links up, remember, at cuttingfreemedies.com at the end of the show. It says, there's a blizzard of paperwork and it could be about to hit numismatics. 
uh, passage by Congress of the national health care legislation has had an unintended consequence to the nation's coin collectors. Vest pocket dealers who buy and sell coins and larger dealers who are frequent buyers of coins that collectors periodically liquidate as they trade up their collections for better coins or simply sell to make a small profit or loss. What has happened is that effective January the 1st, 2012, the whole system of giving and receiving internal revenue service 1099 forms will be turned on its head, and all persons, including corporations who are in business, will now have to give 1099 or 1099 tax reporting forms. One, is that 1099 tax reporting forms? for coins and other goods that they sell as well as buy. The responsibility for issuing forms kicks in at $600 for coins or bullion, not a very high value level, and one that's already started sounding alarm bells. It doesn't matter in what form payment is made, whether cash, check, credit card, or yaps on money. The $600 threshold applies. There's a bill introduced by Representative Dan Lundgren, which has gathered over 80 members of Congress as co-sponsors to repeal this, this uh, section. Evidently, however, the drafters of the provision think there is a $17 billion loophole uh, that this plugs. The Industry for Council for Tangible Assets is alerting member dealers and the public at large are in the hope that some sense of outrage will lead to a ready modification before the law becomes operational in 2012. So... Everything you see that's a commodity, they're going after. They're going after people with uh, garage sale sales, yard sales. They want people to fill in forms for every item, every used piece of junk they're selling. Where they found it, got it in the garbage or whatever, the government wants a cut off that sale. Or else. Or else. Another article here is quite interesting too from Raw Story. July the 6th, says whistleblower relief payments get slashed if fishermen refuse to work for British Petroleum. Any relief payment plan established in the wake of the worst environmental accident ever was bound to have its flaws, but this goes to a whole new level of, of wrong. According to Gulf resident Kendra Arneson, who turned whistleblower and full-time activist when she saw how many people were put out of work by the spill, BP will deduct money from individual payments on claims for lost income if the claimant refuses to work in assisting the spill response. Reading a letter she received from a BP uh, spokesman, Arneson quoted the company's line, BP will continue its efforts to pay legitimate claims for losses incurred due to the Deepwater Horizon incident. However, federal law clearly provides for adjustments for all income resulting from the incident, all income from alternative employment or businesses undertaken, and potential income from alternative employment or businesses not undertaken but reasonably available. In other words, if you're a fisherman who is put off work by BP and you do not elect to work in their employ to clean up the disaster, but you still file a claim for losses over the Deepwater Horizons disaster, that claim could significantly less, be significantly less than the actual damages incurred. Amazon, a fisherman's wife and long-time losing her resident, has been a true pit bull of an activist since she began popping up in the area media. Finally, at the beginning of June, she gained enough notoriety that CNN picked up her story. She's one of the first to raise hell over reports of fishermen getting sick, allegedly from the oil and dispersant fumes coming off the Gulf. Her husband David is one of thousands who opted to work for BP after the oil contaminated his usual fishing routes. She believes he's one of the many who were sickened by BP's toxic vapours. 
BP CEO Tony Hayward tried to pass off the multiple boats full of sick fishermen as food poisoning. Can you believe these, these liars, eh? The same characters that work in governments too, eh? They, teach, they talk just like children. The company has since discouraged the use of respirators because they don't want the task to appear dangerous. If anybody takes photographs, they don't want you to see employees wearing masks and respirators. However, RFK Center President Kerry Kennedy traveled to Gulf Coast to talk to cleanup workers and has found that BP's active denial of proper safety equipment was having a serious health effect. Well, of course it will. Of course it will. But again, it's all down to dollars and, and cents and they don't want to pay out any more than they have to. Now again, the National Health Services are getting touted um, as the greatest thing since sliced bread in the U.S. They're even used in Canada and Britain as, as examples. Quite amazing, isn't it? And here's a, an article here in Britain of the great National Health Service. They've already cut billions off their budgets. Thousands of National Health Service jobs are being cut despite promises. Thousands of National Health Service jobs in England are being cut despite the government's promises to protect frontline services, a union says. The Royal College of Nursing has identified nearly 10,000 posts, double the number from two months ago. The RCN said this was just the start of what was shaping up to be a crude round of cuts which would harm patient care. But managers said some job losses were necessary. While the NHS budget is being protected, the health service has been told to save up to £20 billion by 2014 to help it cope with increasing pressures from ageing population, rising price of drugs, and lifestyle changes such as obesity. Ministers have talked about making the system more efficient by encouraging care to be moved away from hospitals and into the community. That's the same thing they've got, by the way, in the RAND report for the Bama uh, inquiry into his national health care system. The RCN chief executive Peter Carr said the latest findings suggest that the health system is simply falling back on crude and short-sighted cuts. Well, it's also, as I say, the IMF is doing Britain's bookkeeping and they slash healthcare and pensions when they go in. Back with more after this break. Cutting through the matrix and just showing you the other side of things, how they word things to you, omit stuff to, to, to mislead you. And people don't even think that, we, that there's anything omitted. It's quite amazing. It's simple, isn't it, really? But we're getting these cattle prods used in us now. They call them stun guns and taser guns. But it's a cattle prod that's been used for, used for years. And even then, there, there, there's been movements to stop the cattle getting prodded by them because it was inhumane. But no, it's okay to use them on humans now because, you see, we're, we're basically um, under the authoritarian rule and we're lesser human beings at the bottom anyway, so we're, we're really lesser than animals. Uh, so, and, and the World Wildlife Fund would probably agree with that. But here's an article here. It's Taser Makers Challenged the Canada Stun Gun Inquiry Findings from the Australian uh, July 6, 2010. Uh, the, the U.S. maker of tasers is challenging the findings of a damning Canadian inquiry that found the stun guns can cause serious injury or death. It doesn't matter how many they kill, they, 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 they take it to court and say, we didn't do it. Their, our gun was, wasn't responsible. And so uh, a few years ago, they, they killed 
uh, Robert uh, Zekanski at the Vancouver airport. They stunned him umpteen times and then put their knee in the back of his neck as they did with that guy they did in Toronto there with the one leg. Same thing. And uh, it says Zekanski died. Um, he couldn't speak any English either. And they, these cops are not like the old cops. They would have, they would have grabbed the fella. Uh, but these ones are too prissy-footed to do that, these modern types. But this article I'll put up to cuttingthroughmedics.com and ties in with this one, right? So they've just denied their gun as, as does any damage. And this is from uh, the, uh, the news.com.au as well, Australia. Antonia Carmela Galliano's face turned black after being tasered by police. And this is from June the 11th. It says, um, uh, Antonia Carmelo Galliano, 39, died within 50 minutes of his partner calling police to her home at Brandon near Ayr on June the 12th last year, Deputy State Coroner Christine Clemens told in Townsville. Mr. Galliano was naked and shouting threats when Senior Constable Craig Miles and Constable Melissa Cross arrived. So he's a guy naked yelling, right? Big, big threat. Whoa, big threat. Believe Mr. Galliano was trying to climb through a tiny bathroom window Senior Constable Miles fired his taser from outside the house. Mr. Gallon was slumped to the floor, and the police officer sent his partner into the house to restrain him. However, when it looked like Mr. Gallino was getting up, Senior Constable Miles fired three more circuits of up to 16 seconds. Each of these four activations occurred within a minute, counsel assisting the coroner Stephen Kime told Townsville District Court. Senior Constable Miles then charged the taser cartridge again with a fresh cartridge and went inside. Analysis of the second cartridge has revealed it was fired 24 times over five and a half minutes, with each activation lasting five seconds. Was it 40,000 volts or something or more? Police alleged Mr. Gallion tried to retrieve shards of glass, but was eventually overcome and handcuffed. Well, they always have to say something. Anything that could be used as a weapon, his toenail would be good enough, right? Sandra Wynn, who had been in a relationship with Mr. Galliano, who made the initial call to police, said that Mr. Galliano's was black in the face at this time. His face was all burned. Although the police administered chest compressions, they did not provide breathing assistance because there was no mask or gloves in the first aid kit. Can you believe this BS? The fact is they'd burned his face to bits. The woman said at the end, bits of his face are burned onto the bathroom all over it. Bits of his face are burned all over the bathroom still to this day. And the burn marks are burned right in the tiles. But it's harmless according to the, the guys who make this stuff. Harmless, these tasers, these cattle prods. And so are the assholes that use them. From Hamish and myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. Send me your God, or your God's go with you.